Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm just going to cut in here real quick and say, make sure you listen all the way to the end of this episode for a special announcement. This week's episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by David Farland's online writing courses. Go to www.mystorydoctor.com to find out more. Season 9, Episode 27. This is Writing Excuses Pre-Writing. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm wondering what pre-writing is. Pre-writing, Howard, is all the stuff you do before you write. That doesn't mean... I'm not talking about um, having your breakfast. I'm talking about all the oh. writing sort of things you <laughs> writing do. Related well, writing, having your, having breakfast your breakfast can be an important I part. I suppose of, that, you know, can, that can be When you say pre-writing, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I think you know pre-cooking is cooking something before it gets put into the final recipe. Sure, but that's not what pre-writing is. Sure, it can it is. Be. Yeah, it can be. Everything is pre-writing, Howard. This is what now. Um, <laughs> so pre-writing for me, it generally is. Coming up with my outline, mm-hmm. coming up with my world building, and all of these sorts of things as I'm preparing to write a story. However, Dan has done some really cool, different sort of pre-writing before that I've uh, I've noticed and been a part of, where you write from characters' viewpoints and do a monologue or something like that just to get your character down. Yeah, um, this was valuable with John Cleaver because uh, his voice was the most important part of the story. But I also did it again with partials with one or two characters. Um, Particularly in the later books, when I knew from audience response that the character hadn't worked the first time around, and I wanted to to dial them in tighter, and so do a monologue or do do something and let that character talk to you. This is actually one of the number one um, in my sort of quiver of pieces of advice for writers who are having troubles. If they're having trouble with character and they come to me and say, "What do I do?" I say, "Try Dan's method," um, because it just seems like it's a perfect idea. To do a first-person narrative with the character telling you who they are, what they've done in their life, and you are not going to put this in your book. Let's stress that. This is pre-writing that does not belong in the book anywhere. Yeah, the the purpose of this is to figure out what their voice is, Mm -hmm. uh, to figure out what's important to them. And, And these are things you might think you know already, but once you get in there, it's amazing how much a character will come to life when you are typing and the words are on the page and you're starting... You know, you, you have to finish their thought. Right. You know, so much of what we have in our heads, we think there's so much, but when we're forced to write it down, we realize this is just the skeleton of a character, and it's really fleshing itself out as I just free write this random thing. Now, interestingly, as a contrast, the least amount of pre writing I do is on character. I come up with a plot framework and a setting in my pre writing, and I don't usually start a book until I have an ending and a pretty solid outline of what's going to happen in the book, where, where my, my rising and falling tension is and all of these things, and until I have a really solid view of the world and the world building and things like this. My character, I then place into that and see who they are by how they react to the world, to the other characters, to the events that are going on. Um, I'll usually have 
you know, a, a list of things. They're passionate about this, you know, some, some of their background and stuff, but I don't know who they are till I write my book. Yeah, I'll sometimes do something that's kind of in between these two things, which is that I do my outline and all of that, and then I'll start an uh, exploratory chapter. And, and I use that, so I'm, I'm in third person, but I use that to try to get a sense of tone and who the characters are and to get a sense of whether or not the outline is going to be something that's interesting. Um, and I've done that with a couple of, like with a new project, and then junked it. Um, uh-huh. And that's and it, it's been useful for me as a way to kind of do a little sightseeing in the world. Right. Yeah. It, this is this is something I noticed myself doing much more in the first few books that I wrote. Is the idea of the exploratory chapter the the first few chapters I write in a book tend to yeah. get thrown away anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so I eventually just decided I'm going to do this on purpose. I know these are not going to get used in the final. So what do I want to make sure I'm exploring? Yeah, the my novel Stagecraft, which is uh, out in fall of 2015, uh, my exploratory chapters uh, were set in the 1920s, or 1930s, actually. Uh, the novel itself is now in 1907, because I got into it and I was like, mm, this is just wrong mm-hmm. for what I want this book to be doing. Well, so Howard, yeah, we're I'll... assuming you actually do this. Oh, yeah, I mean, there, there are it. things that, yeah. Um, lately... Uh, when I'm trying to, when I have not yet begun, you know, a schlock mercenary book, you know, I'm pre-writing the book, uh, I'll ask myself, uh, what's the, what is the darkest personal journey? What is the most dangerous mm-hmm. situation? Mm-hmm. Right. And what is the most awesome resolution sort of moment uh, that, that I can think of right now? Um, and that's not, that's not, you know, this needs to be bigger and badder than the last book was. Right. Uh, and then I ask myself, well, is there a situation that is different that I can put them into? Um, uh, you know, they're not all, oh, you know, we take a job and we kill the bad guys. Right. Uh, there, there are different kinds of jobs. There are books that are not about the job at all. Um, and so, yeah, I make those decisions, uh, usually. Lately, I make uh-huh. those decisions before I start drawing anything. But for many, many, many of the schlock mercenary books, the pre-writing process is the first week of strips, and you get <laughs> to read those because it would just be luxurious to be able to throw them away. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Howard, um, how much pre, not, not writing, but pre-design work do you do on characters visually? If you're going to introduce a new character, how many drafts of their silhouette and so Boy, on get not thrown nearly... away? Not nearly enough. I've gotten, <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that the the facial structures and height and all those things change. I mean, I really am a hack. Uh, <laughs> with, and I, I, I freely admit that. With the, the current story that's online, um, uh, Lieutenant Haley Sorry, Sorley um, is the new character that I wanted to introduce. She's not a member of the, not a member of the Tufts, but I wanted somebody who was, uh, I wanted somebody who was very tall and had a long face and had uh, engineering knowledge, lots and lots and lots of engineering knowledge, and was in a situation she didn't like. Um, and I actually drew a page full of, you know, sketches of her before I hit upon what I liked. Uh, that's unusual for me. <laughs> 
Mary, would you count your research as part of your pre-writing? Yes, uh, that was one of the things that I would say is that I my research is very definitely part of the pre-writing. And that's true whether I'm doing, um, like even when I'm doing science fiction or or secondary world, any of the research that I do that is informing the fiction is all part of the pre-writing. And for me, that often starts well, almost always starts way before I get to the outlining phase or, or who the characters are, where I'm just trying to figure out what the world is and how how I'm going to tweak it. Um, the other thing that I do as part of my pre-writing mm-hmm. sometimes, um, as I'm doing the research, I will keep a list of uh, cool set pieces and scenes. So right. that, yes. So that when I get around to making my actual outline, mm-hmm. I can go and be like, oh, there was that one cool thing. And I don't use them all. Right. But you've got that, <laughs> yeah. again, arrows in the quiver, so to speak. Yeah. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Um, let's go ahead and stop and talk a bit about David Farland and his online writing courses. Now, Dave is the teacher that Dan and I both took in college David Farland also publishes under Dave Wolverton that made a big difference in our writing careers. Wouldn't you agree, Dan? Absolutely. He was a uh, a big mentor for both of us uh, when we were getting started. Been yeah. a big mentor was... for a lot of people. I remember for the, a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, I remember that awards dinner where you asked, you know, stand up if you've learned something from uh, Dave Dave Farland, Dave Wolverton, and the whole audience stood. Uh, and we realized just how broad his effect had been. Right. I would say that his class I took at BYU was the single most important class for my writing career all through my undergraduate and graduate uh, degree programs. He is a fantastic teacher. He knows a lot about both the craft and the publishing business. Um, he is a very, very nice guy. You will enjoy taking his classes. And he started up a new online writing course. Here's what he says about it. Each class provides instructional videos followed by writing assignments where Dave gives you personal feedback. In addition, you'll take part in online meetings so that you can ask Dave any question you want. They're 25% off right now. Um, He's running a a sale on them, and you can find them at mystorydoctor.com. And I'll make an additional note that I do know Dave runs in-person writing workshops as well. Any of these things would be well worth your time and money to get a personal mentor for your writing. 
So once again, go to www.mystorydoctor.com. He also has a free writing book there for you to pick up. All right, so another form of pre-writing is the day-by-day pre-writing you do before you get into your project for that day, whether it be this, you know, the scene of a story you're going to write or the chapter you're writing for a novel or whatever it is, the strips that you're going to... These are the, these yeah. are the warm-up exercises yes. before mm-hmm. you go out on a run? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What sort of mm-hmm. things do we do as writers right before we start our daily writing? One thing that I've found that's incredibly helpful, and I've talked about this before, is actually going for a walk. Mm-hmm. And... And I go for a walk knowing that what I'm going to do when I arrive at wherever it is that I'm going, whether it's back at the apartment or at mm-hmm. a coffee shop, is that I'm going to be writing this particular scene. And I, I essentially daydream it or I ask questions to myself. Yep. Uh, and that helps me so that when I get into the space, really all I have to do is kind of download it onto the page. Right. I've started moving um, my going to the gymness, mm-hmm. gym times, to morning as much as I hate getting up, for that very reason. Um, and this is also kind of a wacky one. It adds the, puts the shower then as well. <laughs> and I am one of these shower oh, yeah. type of people that if I'm standing there in the shower thinking about my story, it's one of those moments that helps me prepare. And so those are both things that really help. Yeah. I will usually start my writing day before writing new stuff. I will go back over everything I wrote yesterday and do just kind of a quick polish pass on it, you know, Mm. very brief, let's find the sentences that didn't work, or let's see whatever. And what that means is that by the time I get to the end of that, I'm up to speed. I'm ready to go and write the next section in the same flow as I as I had the day before. Yeah, sometimes I am, uh, my my pre-writing is I need to scan a week of strips and send them off to the colorist. And in the process of scanning them, I need to scan them. I need to make notes for Travis about, you know, the the colors and the settings and, you know, answer, try and answer questions before he needs to ask them. Uh, and in doing that, I've, you know, filled my brain with this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's then a lot easier to get started writing the next bit. Now, I do one thing that is a little bit odd. Uh, which, because I'm writing historical stuff most of the time, one of the things that I'll do on my breaks, which I count as pre-writing also, mm-hmm. um, is that I, I usually have um, a, a tone text that I'm, I'm... Oh, okay, yeah. So so I, like with the Glamorous Histories, I'm taking from, you know, jumping off of Jane Austen. Right. And so on my breaks, I will read Jane Austen so, and it's a book that I know, so it doesn't inhabit, like, I don't get into the, I don't start thinking, what's going to happen to so-and-so? <laughs> I know, are Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth ever going to get together? <laughs> I don't worry about that, but I it gives me little uh, turns of phrases that are useful. It helps remind me of what that period was like. Sometimes I'll do that um, with, I'll read historical thing, uh, not not like, uh, but uh, research books. I'll read research mm-hmm. books as part of the uh, of what I'm about to to write, and I don't read them going into it like I need to look for how she describes disappointment. But as I'm reading, I'll spot a line. It's like, oh, look at that. No, I actually I actually do something similar for the uh, tie-in fiction I do for Privateer Press. Yeah, I did this There's for Wheel of Time. Yeah. Huge oh, body, huge body of uh, Privateer Press work. Uh, 
much of which I'm reading for reference, but sometimes I find that just sitting down and reading uh, third-person limited uh, mass-market-style adventure fiction in this setting ensures that what I am writing fits the tone because, you know, my, my stuff is going to be sitting right alongside mm -hmm. this other material, and that's what it needs to sound like. Yeah. 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 Something else I do that's kind of um, different is when I sit down to start writing, I will go over in my head the senses and be like, yeah, what does yeah. it sound like here? What does it feel like? What's the temperature? What does it look like? What does it smell like? And I'll go through all of those, and I'll write that at the top of my chapter. And oh, then yeah. at the bottom of my chapter... And just bullet points, I'll write the emotional beats and uh, plot events that need to occur in this chapter. And so I've sandwiched between those kind of my, my setting and my plot, and I launch into it then. I do that similar, which is that I have, I grab from the outline, mm -hmm. and I put that actually in on the page that I'm going to be writing on. Right. And as I hit each plot point, I delete it from the text that is there. Right. So th that way I know that I have hit them all. Right. Um, and that's if I I've... decide that I'm not going to use it, I just go ahead and delete it right then. That's that's what I've started doing with my 10-year-old uh, uh, boy describes his favorite movie to you outlining technique mm. is that <laughs> the story I am writing is right on that same page. And as I hit those points, I delete them. And, and so I, yeah, I'm looking ahead at the outline and often looking, you know, five or six beats ahead, yeah. I will see something and realize, oh, 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 that's right. I need to foreshadow that because the 10 year old boy didn't know to tell us that that needed to be foreshadowed, but I am now writing like a grown up. Yeah. My, <laughs> my writing process is very different than this, uh, a little looser than these particular methods. I have a chapter by chapter outline usually that's one or two sentences saying this is what's happening here and this is what's happening next and I'll look at that to give myself a sense of where I'm going but then I need to have that page blank hmm. because I need to have the freedom to follow these characters and if they do something more interesting than I've outlined mm. yeah. I don't want to tie myself down yeah you're more of a discovery writer than we are which and, yeah that makes perfect sense oh I I mash the hard return key <laughs> Uh, you know, two dozen times before I start writing uh, so that I can't see that outline stuff huh. while I am writing. Mm. Um, but I can roll ahead and refer to it if I feel like I need to. Yeah, it's just like four, mm -hmm. four or five lines down for me. Now, one thing that Mary said was about the idea of a tone text. And I do something very similar with music. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, with the first John Cleaver book, I had a specific YouTube video for both the music and the visuals that I watched. You know, I, I, I wrote this book in Brandon's basement uh, at the time, and I would show up, I'd watch that video to put myself in the mindset I wanted to be in, and then write. And I still, to this day, will usually pick one or sometimes two songs per book and say, this is what I, uh, listen to it, and then write. That room now holds all my magic cards. Well, that you wrote it. No, that this is way back in the old condo. Oh, oh wow. that. This, who knows what oh, that room yeah. holds now? All right. Well, we are out of time. I actually have our writing prompt, and this is something I've been planning to do for years and never found a place for it in a story. So maybe you'll be able to use it, and then maybe someday I'll write it and you can use it. I want to write a story that has sentient smells. <laughs> you oh, laugh, Brandon. but the scents are alive. There are a race of beings that are 
basically just sentient. So not just sentient smells, but sapient. Yes, sapient. Okay. Sapient. They they are a race of smells. Nice. Okay. This has been writing excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go. All right. Special announcement time. We have finally put together the first writing excuses anthology called Shadows Beneath. You might recall a few years ago where we each brainstormed on air a story that we were going to write. Well, it takes some time to actually do these things, but we each finally wrote our stories. We have put them together in a nice hardbound edition as well as an ebook that you can get right now on my website. It's for sale worldwide on your favorite ebook retailer. We're going to be doing limited edition numbered copies. And if you buy the hardcover, you get the ebook for free. This has all four of our brand new stories. And what's really cool about this is when we built this collection, we put in the transcripts of the original brainstorming episodes. We also put in our first drafts as well as plenty of other really exciting things. Like for instance, I put in my writing group critique notes. Each of the stories have a nice new illustration at the beginning and even more awesome. Last year at the Writing Excuses Retreat, we each read each other's stories and we did a critique on air. Next week we're going to be critiquing my story called Sixth of the Dusk that takes place in the Cosmere, my shared universe. So what you can do is if you want to pick up a copy of Shadows Beneath, you can read the first draft of the story, you can listen to the critique sessions for those stories, and then you can read the final draft and you can see what we did. In fact, we've included a special edition of each story in the anthology that shows a cross out through every line that we changed from the first draft to the last draft, as well as bolding everything that we added. So you can compare the documents, listen as we do our critique sessions. Hopefully we'll be able to give you just an unprecedented look behind the scenes at creating a story. I think you'll love the stories. They're fantastic. Some of the best writing that we've done. The Writing Excuses Anthology, Shadows Beneath, available now. Thank you very much. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.